2: Today on the WCBS Morning News Roundup.
3: Another subway stabbing has riders on edge.
1: I'm always alert because you never know what may happen.
3: I'm Marla Diamond at 72nd Street and Broadway on the Upper West Side.
1: Sean Adams will report
4: from Colonia High School where a mother found evidence of toxic chemicals in the school with a history of brain tumors.
2: A suburban crime that is still being talked about in today's 88 Seconds
4: in Sound. It's Thursday morning. It's October 20th. Good morning. I'm Paul Bernane. Morning. I'm Wayne Cabot. Craig Allen says, yeah,
2: cold again today, but at least we'll have some periods of sunshine. And the warming trend will be
4: underway over the next couple of days. And pepper spray may have saved the day. Marla Diamond on the Upper West Side with word of a subway attack last night. Marla, what happened on that Uptown 2 train?
3: Yeah, we're here at uh, 72nd and Broadway this morning. Paul where there was yet another violent crime in the subway this time on the number two train around 11 o'clock last night police say a 26 year old man was sitting with a female companion on the uptown train when a man in his 50s stood in front of them words were exchanged the 50 year old pulled out a kitchen knife and stabbed the 26 year old in the leg and the hand his female companion then sprayed the suspect with pepper spray he fled across the platform to a one train and got away. Yet another incident, unnerving to riders like Wanda, who works the early morning shift at the Trader Joe's here at 72nd Street. I feel uneasy, I'm always on high alert. Make- alert because you never know what may happen. Now she says she's always on high alert. The male victim, the 26 year old, was taken to, uh, Mount Sinai, St. Luke's, um, he is expected to survive. The female companion was not injured. Uh, if you are wondering if violent crime is up in the subways, it is. It's up 24% from this time a year ago. Wayne and Paul.
4: Marla Diamond this morning in the Upper West Side. First day for the big new migrant tent city on Randall's Island didn't bring much action. Now the facility has enough room
2: to house 500 but a reporter for the Daily News saw a shuttle bus pulled in and drop off only two Latin American migrants in the morning and then nobody after that. Two of more than 20,000 migrants who have been brought here by bus from Texas, an operation that a New Jersey politician called human smuggling on the part of Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Mayor Adams says that if the buses keep on coming... He'll likely have to open more of these 10 facilities. City officials now say there's no limit on how long migrants can stay there at the Randall's Island facility. For now, it is a massive space with very few people.
4: It's the morning news roundup, and a scientist whose child attends Colonia High School in New Jersey has really shaken things up by doing her own research into more than 100 brain tumors over the years. And there's news this morning that the district is seeking some new guidance on this.
2: Sean Adams is in Colonia this morning with the news. And Sean, first up, uh, what did the mother find in her independent tests?
5: Well, this uh, Colonia mother herself, she is an environmental scientist. So she took samples of dust, window caulk, and soil from Colonia High School. She had it tested. An independent lab detected high levels of PCBs and pesticides. Now there's no conclusive link to more than 100 cancer cases at Colonia High School over three decades but apparently it's enough to warrant a closer look. Previously Woodbridge looked for a source of radiation at the school that would account for so many brain tumors. No cause was uncovered. Paul Wayne.
2: So now, Sean, the state is being called in?
5: Yes. uh, So these latest findings have prompted the school district to request that the state get involved and develop a plan for further testing. PCBs and pesticides, they're out there in the environment. We're exposed to them every day. The question here is, is there a direct link that can be made between these contaminants, these carcinogens, and a possible cancer cluster?
4: Sean Adams this morning in Jersey. The latest on your forecast now, our chief meteorologist Craig Howe. Another sunny, maybe chilly day today.
5: That's right, a chilly breeze, but, uh, you know, the temperatures will be able to recover like they did yesterday. We got to, what, 54 in the city, which is still well below average. And that's where we will be again today with sunshine and a cool breeze. Clear, not quite as chilly tonight. Mid-40s for the city and 36 to 42 in the suburbs. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. A little bit milder with a high between 60 and 65. Weekend starts off great. Sunday, though, looks like some wet weather out there. Right now for the city, it's 44. We do have upper 20s and mid-30s again out there in the suburbs. But 44 in the city, humidity 67%.
2: Thank you, Craig Allen. Caesars wants to build a big glittering casino right there in the heart of Times Square. Some powerful interests love the idea, others hate it.
4: Caesars is working with S.L. Green Realty to put a casino at 1515 Broadway, which is where Broadway meets 44th Street, right in the middle of it all. A letter soliciting support for the casino obtained by the New York Times includes a promise to use some gambling revenue to deploy surveillance drones to make the neighborhood safer.
2: What do you think about that idea, huh? Well, tourism has declined since the pandemic, and several shows have closed, and so the group Actors' Equity is all in for the casino. It calls it a game-changer that'll make the neighborhood safer for arts workers and for audience members, but the Broadway League which represents the theaters says a casino will only make Times Square grittier like the old days.
4: There's also a competing casino plan a few blocks south in Hudson Yards by Wynn Resorts, and there are bids in Queens and Brooklyn. All are competing for one of three new casino licenses in the New York City area, approved by state legislators earlier this year.
2: We've got some audio we want to play for you here about a compelling question. Who takes care of the people taking care of us, the caregivers? Our husband and wife team of Mike Sugarman and Janice Wright are tackling this in an episode of a podcast series they call I'm Still Rolling. As you may know, Mike is in a wheelchair now because of a spinal cord injury from medical procedures. Janice is his full-time caregiver. What are the issues most common for caregivers of loved ones with spinal cord injuries?
3: Elena, maybe you can take this one. Are there issues with other WAGs that come up time and time again?
0: One of the biggest things that I would say that comes up in our community, and especially between friends and family members, um, is the issue of accessibility. You know, one of the biggest things, the most kind of in-your-face situations that we would always... come across are when friends and family would invite us out for dinner or to an event after our partner's spinal cord injuries. And a lot of the time we would show up with our partners and either there were a couple of steps into a restaurant or the doorways weren't wide enough or sitting at a table and the foot plate would hit the bottom of the tables and our partners could not get underneath the table close enough to be able to enjoy a meal with with us and this is something that is still huge in our community and you know especially when your partner first um, undergo undergoes a spinal cord injury it's being able to fit into your friends and family's homes are they accessible can you use a restroom in privacy with is there enough space for you to get close enough
4: Mike and Janice dig into this issue with his raw first-person account. They're focused on advocacy and raising awareness on the need for care for the caregivers.
2: By the way, the story is on our website. It's also the full podcast on 880 Extras, where you can find that it's the morning news roundup I'm Wayne
4: Cabell. and I'm Paul Vernein with you three things to know on this Thursday number one Ukrainians are being warned today by the country's national energy company to charge everything in preparation for power outages affecting the entire country president Vladimir Zelensky says 30 percent of power stations in the country have been destroyed by Russian airstrikes over the past 10 days
2: A Massachusetts woman is facing multiple assault and battery charges they say that she released a swarm of bees on the sheriff's deputies, some of whom were quite allergic to bee stings as they were trying to serve an eviction notice. The records show Rory Woods put on a beekeeper suit herself, so she'd be okay. They eventually handcuffed her, but not before some deputies got stung.
4: And number three, a radio tip of the hat to uh, Hofstra's WRHU. Named last night by the National Association of Broadcasters as the Marconi Award winning College Radio Station of the Year. That is an organization that is near and dear to our hearts. A lot of Hofstra people come here. We call them the Hofstra Mafia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over the place. <laughs> They're in charge.
2: Now it's our News Radio 88 seconds in sound for this date, October 20th, a Suburban crime Still in the headlines today. Clark Police.
4: Yeah, I have a problem at Nanyuet National, in the Mallard Armored Truck was shot at.
2: 1981 i'm tim scheld at the nanuette mall it seemed like a normal shopping tuesday shortly before four o'clock we heard four shots i saw the um brinks truck sitting there with um three bullet holes through the windshield
1: Nanuet national bank in the mall somebody shot at an armored
2: car as the guards opened the back of the truck they were ambushed by four men with various handguns rifles and semi-automatic shotguns
1: they got a guy wounded and somebody's been hit Back 10 feet away from me the body of a Brinks guard that was killed in the shootout.
2: Brinks guard Peter Page was killed by counter-revolutionaries who long ago fell off law enforcement radar. The Black Liberation Army from the 60s joined the Weather Underground to rob the Brinks truck, justified they would later say, to avenge what society stole from their enslaved ancestors. And it might have ended there with a getaway theft of 1.6 million dollars, but only minutes later police got a phone call. Fox, now, a 19-year-old girl, looking out her window, saw something at the parking lot behind the Corvette store, half a mile away.
5: That red van is behind
2: Corvette. People throwing bags of money into a U-Haul.
5: We're going to pull up a U-Haul truck. Uh, it's going to enter the
2: throughway here. Do you have a description of the people? These would be the last words heard by Nyack police officers Waverly Brown and Ed O'Grady. We'll
5: have to make sure he doesn't get on the throughway ramp. Right It was
2: on that throughway ramp at Route 59, where a second gunfight rang out.
5: 383 to 301.
2: We got two officers shot up here. We're
3: to out of them. The guys just came all out firing, snuck up behind the cop and shot him in the back, as what we saw was a machine gun.
5: Both Officer Waverly Brown and
2: Sergeant Edward O'Grady were very popular in the village of Nyack. That report from the news team at WRKL Radio, including Tim Sheld, who would later report for and become news director of WCBS 880. The officers who died on the job are remembered every day in a roadside memorial at that ramp. One man who survived the attack, the Brinks guard Joseph Trombino, would later die on 9 11. One legacy we still feel today, aside from the questions of parole and imprisonment for the guilty, The trial cost Rockland so much money to prosecute, including unprecedented security, it had to impose the first county sales tax, which still exists, in a sense making all of Rockland pay for that crime from 1981. This is October 20th.